Hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the December 21st edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. Of course, you can listen to Local Matters on the radio on Wednesday afternoons or Thursday evenings, but you can also listen to us anytime at your convenience via our podcast version. To listen to the podcast, please go to and follow the Local Matters of Georgia Facebook page. You can also go to my website, which is JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com or go directly to SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Last week, my guest was Donna Moraine of the Augusta Justice Cooperative. This is her second time on the show, and she provided further insight on what she sees when she sits through sessions of the Richmond County State Court. If you missed that episode, please do listen. And if you have the time, compassion, and a desire to help those who are going through difficult circumstances in our criminal justice system, please contact her about volunteering with her organization. You can learn more about the Augusta Justice Cooperative at augustajustice.org, and you can also leave a message for her there. This week, my guest is State Senator Harold Jones, and he is joining us to discuss the upcoming legislative session. He provides an overview of the bills that he personally will introduce, as well as he gives us some insight into some other items that he expects to get a great deal of consideration during the 2023 legislative session. But before we turn to that conversation, let's talk about the election results. On yesterday, Reverend Carlton Howard was elected to fill the seat left vacant after the death of his brother, Wayne Howard. Reverend Howard won handily with 68% of the vote in a four person field. His closest challenger was Brad Owens who received 16% of the vote. There were two young men in the race also, Scott Cambers and Davis Green, and they earned 9.2% and 6% respectively. Early on in this race, it looked like a toss up to me. Cambers and Green impressed people with their sincerity and their lack of political baggage. And Green in particular showed a grasp of state law that seemed like it could be a foundation for success in the legislature. However, as the race moved on, it was apparent that the turnout would be very low. At the end of the day, the turnout was only 7.82%. And at that point, it occurred to me that Reverend Howard had the advantage. The most votes cast during the advanced voting period for this race happened during the week that there was overlap with the advanced voting for the U.S. Senate runoff. 
And it stood to reason for me that the same people who would vote for Reverend Warnock would vote for Reverend Howard. In the end, uh, Reverend Howard won uh, 19 of the 23 precincts that are in Georgia House District 129. And Brad Owens won the other four. Uh, Brad won one precinct in District 1, two in District 3, and one precinct in District 7 by relatively small margins. On the other hand, in those precincts that Reverend Howard won, some of those precincts he had over 80% of the vote and sometimes even over 90% of the vote. We congratulate him on his victory and wish him well during his first term in Atlanta. And as you will hear from our conversation with Senator Jones, there are going to be a number of very important issues uh, that he will have to make decisions on. Local Matters listeners, uh, we have a treat today because we are joined by a sitting and recently re-elected state senator, and that is Harold Jones. How are you doing today, Senator Jones? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being a return guest on yeah. Local Matters. You came in last year. I think our topic at that point was redistricting. Yes. Um, this point, we really want to just get prepared for the upcoming legislative session. Um, uh, we would expect that there are going to be some pretty interesting uh, topics that are going to be discussed and voted upon. Um, and I just kind of want you to help our guests get prepared. Uh, if you could set the stage for this uh, this upcoming session. Are we good with that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Great, great. Um, if you could just start off with this topic of introducing bills, you know, mm -hmm. when we're in, you know, civics class, they tell us, you know, legislators introduce bills about this or that. And I'm just curious about the mechanics of that. How does that work? Y'all just send an email to somebody? I mean, what, what do you physically do, the logistics of, of uh, introducing a bill to the Senate? Right. So I think one of the things is people remember person or artist will remember that schoolhouse rock thing about how a bill becomes a law that mm -hmm. is very accurate so how that process works so how does it kind of work from our standpoint same process number one anybody can drop legislation and i think persons kind of have to understand that in the sense that you can drop a bill about anything and so a lot of times persons hear about bills being dropped and the news picks up on the sexy bills the bills are kind of controversial and immediately start getting phone calls oh my god i don't want that to happen it's not going to happen but the first step is Right now, I'm going to start drafting legislation. So what I do is I draft my legislation or my idea, and I send it what's called legislative council. So the way I do mine is I pretty much draft my own and then send it to them, and they work with me. Some people may just have an idea and say, I have an idea. Let's eliminate, let's um, legalize marijuana, for instance. And they'll just give that to legislative council. And then legislative council is their job basically to work on it. The way I do it is I pretty much will write out my whole bill, give it to them, and we'll go back and forth. So it just depends. So legislative council gets it. They send it back to us. We approve it. And then it gets a, a legislative number. And then we have to physically go take it to get um, dropped or get filed. And once it's filed, it's now in the hopper. And so those why you get all sorts of crazy things sometimes that may be filed and person get riled up about it. So you can file anything. So it gets filed. From there, you have to get a hearing. You have to get a hearing, get signed to a committee. So first step is going to get assigned to a committee. That's automatic, no matter what type of bill it is, gets assigned to a committee. And then you have to ask for a hearing. 
And that's an asking process. Um, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you have to go to the chairman and ask for a hearing. Um, there actually are two steps. You can actually have two types of hearing. You can have a hearing with a vote. We have an up or down vote. You may get a hearing with no vote. Sometimes there'll be a hearing with no vote, um, but you still get a hearing on the bill. If it passes out of the uh, committee, it then goes to rules. Out of rules, it makes a determination whether it actually reaches the floor of the Senate or the House. So it then goes to rules. So you can get something out of committee, but you still have to go to rules. And I'm actually on the rules committee. So the way that works is it comes to the rules committee and literally in the Senate, we pick the bills that we want to place on the Senate calendar. Now the rules chair, he gives us the list of bills. So that's always a process. So let's say he gets 10 bills to come to rules that day. He can actually pick five of them that he wants us to choose from. So he picks those five. And then from there, the rules committee actually picks the ones that they wouldn't want to send to the floor. Then it gets to the floor. Once it gets to the floor, of course, it passes or does not pass. Assuming it passes, process starts all over again in the House. It goes back to the House. It gets assigned to a committee. You have to ask for a committee in the House. And understand now, at this point, you're usually talking about you only have a week or two to get this done. So now it's in the House, you only have a week, maybe a week and a half, actually get your bill out of the House. So it goes to the House, you get signed to a committee, you have to ask to have it heard again. If it gets out of committee, it goes to that rules. They then decide whether it goes to the floor. If it goes to the floor and it passes, then it becomes law subject to the government's signature. But the catch is the bill, any bill, any House bill that comes to the Senate, any Senate bill goes to the House, it really is their bill bill now. They can change the whole thing if they want to. Because what you're really doing in reality is passing bill numbers, kind of weird. You're passing the bill, but you're really passing a bill number. So when I pass Senate Bill 10, that just has to be one of my bills I thought of, Senate Bill 10 over to the House, the House can strip everything out of that bill. They now can replace it with other language. That now becomes Senate Bill 10. All I've done is really pass a number. They can take every piece of language out, put their language in. That is now the new Senate Bill 10. And then it'll come back over to the Senate as Senate Bill 10. And they might be like, this isn't what I passed. But there's nothing I can do about it necessarily. And the Senate can do the same thing. So assuming that you don't have those kind of changes, if it passes both bodies, then it goes to the governor for his signature. And it's a step-by-step it's a, it's a -step process. And so it's a lot. It's a lot of asking and it's a lot of twisted arms, and it's a lot of really trying to make your case. And there are a couple of things that caught my attention, and we won't dwell on it too long because there's so many other things we want to talk mm -hmm. about today. But first, when you said that you typically write your own, so mm -hmm. I would assume that that is an advantage of your having a legal background to begin with, that you feel capable of writing right. your own. Right. Uh, whereas somebody who comes in, you know, they're a farmer. Won't pick on the rural areas, but somebody, right. you know, who's a, a farmer or a salesman or something may yeah. not have the same degree of confidence to sit there and write out the language in the same way that you would because of your legal experience. Right, exactly. And so even when I give the legal counsel, they'll still make some changes to it. We can go back and forth, but it really gives them a direct idea of exactly what I'm trying to do. Because I mean, I write it from like section A, section B, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. Um, and I just think it makes it easier. They appreciate it too. 
and it just makes right. it easier for them to understand really what are you trying to accomplish here. Right, right. And you you can get more, you're comfortable getting much more specific about what it really is you want to do. And the next thing with all those steps in the process, um, you really have to develop a good understanding of the process in order to make it work for you and the legislation that you're trying to pass. Sounds Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. You have to try to figure out what actually can get to a committee. That's the, one of the first steps. Some bills you actually draft that you may realize won't get to the committee. You're just trying to start a conversation because you realize a lot of times the media will just pick up on certain things. So you may do that just from a standpoint of strategy of, about pushing a bigger issue. So that's also possible. But if you're looking to really pass the bill, say what really can get to a committee? Once I get it to the committee, now I can kind of really start working it and get it to the floor. That's the key thing. And you've got to start working it. That was the third theme that came out because you can easily lose control of this thing if you don't continue to work it with your colleagues who are on those committees, right? Absolutely, without a doubt. You can totally lose. And it gets lost in the shuffle too. I mean, it gets dropped, but unless you really are pushing the chair, especially the Democrat, pushing the chair of the committee to get it heard, um, it's not going to get heard at all. So yeah, you have to, it, once it gets dropped, once it gets to a committee, that's when the process really starts and you have to be on top of it. Great, thank you. So for the 2023 session, are there some bills that you plan to introduce? Right, so number one, I'll be introducing my food desert bill again, which deals with basically creating a food policy commission. We got that through the Senate last year and it got held up in the house for some political reasons, but those reasons are now vanished. They've been taken care of. So we hope to get it through the house. So that's number one. And then number two, to do a bill dealing with the penalty for marijuana. It's one of the ones I've done before. I think I might get a look. We've actually gotten that out of committee before. I think we can actually get to the floor this year based on a couple of changes. We still don't have enough. We still, Democrats are not the majority, the near the majority, but we have a couple of changes on the Republican side that may make that amenable to get that to the floor. And so if we get to the floor, I think we get a pass. So those are two ones right there. And then the third one will be a study committee dealing on home health care. That's something I've become very passionate about dealing with some situation with my dad and things like that, and just talking to other people. So I want to do a study committee. How can we get through the red tape on home health care? There's so many different things that you have to navigate if you're going to take care of somebody um, you know, who's sick at home, long-term sick at home. And I want to find out how to make that easier for people. That's going to be the key. And let's do a study committee to make that determination. Okay. Those are very important issues. Um, because I know uh, I have dealt with the need for a parent to have home health care and that sort of thing too. So um, those are really important issues. Let's talk some about that food desert because you know that's a big, big deal in Augusta. Can you just give us a little insight into where you want to go with that food policy? Yeah, so it's a food policy commission that would uh, basically be appointed by different members of the legislature or also the governor would have an appointment, lieutenant governor have an appointment, different members of the legislature have an appointment. And they come from different areas within the food policy space. That was one of the key things. These would not just be appointments of just random people. These would be appointments for persons who represent farmers. Farmers would basically make their determination who they want to represent them. It'd be uh, persons who represent uh, growers, persons who represent them, they'll be doing that. Persons who represent um, Emory University because they have something called food for medicine. Grady Hospital also has something dealing with food policy. So I actually labeled who actually the appointments would come from. So it's not just like the LG, the Lieutenant Governor is going to make an appointment with one of his friends. He has to actually pick from one of these uh, specific spaces. 
who deal within this area. And that was important to me because you know you have you have these things that you make or these policy boards that you make, and you just put anybody on there, and they say they're interested in it, but that's not really their space. They got another job. No, these persons who will be selected, that is their job. They're, this is what they do. And I felt it was important to make sure you had experts in the field. We're going to have persons who are going to be represented by the grocery stores because they're obviously very important. Mm -hmm. So everybody's going to be brought to the table. And so it actually passed the Senate, 56 to nothing, passed the Senate, got held up in the House because there was another bill that was pending. I don't want to get too far in the weeds of that. But the bottom line is, I think we can get that through the House now. I worked with the um, agriculture um, chairman, with the, the agriculture um, department head. He was all in favor of it. Um, the, new the new head of agriculture, Tyler Harper, was a colleague of mine in the Senate. Uh, he voted for this particular bill. So I have confidence that we can get it through the House this year, and hopefully we can get it through and get the governor's signature on it. Okay. And the results of this committee, I know now you're just trying to get a policy committee set up, but you hope from there, what, what are you expecting them to do? What they are do is basically give recommendations to the legislature each year about food policy and how to make these changes. Because one of the things I saw is we could say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to give tax credits to grocery stores. That's just going around the edges. We could make one bill that would say, okay, we now have done it. And, and knowing how the legislature acts sometimes, let's say we say we're going to give tax credit to grocery stores, which legally right now we really can't do unless it's tacked onto a larger project. We probably, that would be the end of it. We, we would probably say, well, we've done our food policy thing. But it's much more than that. How do you help black farmers? How do you help other farmers? All of those different things have a role in it. That's where the Food Policy Commission comes in. Okay, great, great. Thank you so much. Those are the things that you're planning to introduce. Are there other things that you're expecting to be discussed as well? Yeah, one of the big things that just came out in the news that's apparently is going to be discussed is this idea of instant runoff voting um, that obviously is going to be coming up. And that is, you know, right now we just dealt with the runoff. And of course, Augusta is going to be going back to the polls for District 129. Could have a runoff in that too. So we have this runoff situation, and apparently the Secretary of State has uh, plans on offering legislation through a, through a legislator to, to get rid of runoff voting and go to what's called instant runoff voting. Or he actually had a couple of ideas. Number one, was one of those was also to have where 45% would be the level that you actually win an election. Luckily, I did see that some Republicans already said that's a non-starter. You can't have any kind of election where the majority doesn't rule. So that's good. And But another one was, that you have this concept of instant runoff voting, where you actually um, pick one, two, three, or however many candidates are on there. You say, this is my first choice, this is my second choice, and my third choice. So instant runoff voting is, let's say your first choice, Harold Jones, doesn't make it. Hopefully he does, but if he doesn't make it, then your second choice then kicks up to you become whoever. Harold Jones doesn't make it is your first choice. Who's your second choice? Whoever is left standing, your second choice, if that's one of those, that vote then counts. If that person doesn't make it and you still haven't hit 50%, whoever is your third choice, if that person is still standing, then that person gets a vote. But number one is very complicated. That's first and foremost. Um, you have also what's called vote exhaustion, which means if you don't pick all the candidates, your vote then doesn't count. So if you don't count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, let's say you have seven candidates. If you don't do all seven, if your first choice doesn't make it, then you're out. You don't, because you, you didn't pick the other choices. So in that sense, you didn't really have a voice in the election because your first choice didn't make it. Well, a person might say, well, I'm not going through all seven of these. I'm just going to do the first guy that I like. Well, if he doesn't make it, then that's it. Under the current system, the first guy doesn't make it. You get another opportunity to go back to the polls. Here, that would be it. 
And the other thing is, of course, let's look at the space that this is coming from. Democrats now have won twice in runoff elections, and now all of a sudden we want to change the rules on it. That doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. So I think you have to be very careful when persons have, have historically won these elections, Republicans, now all of a sudden they've lost, and they say, well, let's change the rules to it. And also, let's look at the reality of it. Currently, in the general elections that he wants to change these for, we have three candidates, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. So the way it works is you go one, two, three. Libertarians usually don't make the cutoff. They would not make the cutoff. Libertarians, their first choice would be their Libertarian candidate. Nine times out of 10, their second choice would be the Republican candidate. So in this situation, the Libertarians would actually control the election because their second choice would be the Republican candidate. And once you add their second choice in there, Herschel Walker would have won. I mean, those are the kind of things that you have to, from the first election, those are the kind of things that you have to start thinking about um, in the real world. It's nice to have esoteric conversations about this stuff, but you have to start looking at it from a real world perspective. That libertarians lean more towards the Republican side on many issues than they do on the Democratic side. So in the real world situation, who is that really going to benefit? Make no mistake, no mistake. Republicans aren't going to present something they think is going to put them out of power. Why would you do that? You've lost two elections. Why would you present something that you think is going to cause you to lose more elections? So there should be no one who, first of all, I think from a democratic standpoint, it's just too, it's very confusing. And I've looked this up. It can be very confusing. And I don't think voters can really deal with it. Number two, I don't think anybody who wants to have progressive policy in the state of Georgia should be in favor of this because it's not, it's not going to help those candidates that believe in that. I can tell you that right now. And just use your common sense on some level and say, why would anybody, why would a person who presents SB202, who doesn't fight against it, Secretary of State Rasberg, who doesn't fight SB202, which is a voter suppression bill, why would you think that he's actually trying to increase democratic process by getting rid of runoff voting? Come on, let's let's be serious here. Okay. All right. That's one issue. Any others you're expecting? The to budget is going to be big because the economy, of course, kind of still fluctuating. So I think we have to look at the budget, of course, and how that's going to play out. Um, there's been some concern. Maybe there's going to be possibly some cuts in there because now election year is over. So now cuts now on the table. Again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> election year gone. We got to worry about that to two years. And Kemp doesn't have to worry about it at all. So now cuts start coming back. And we really start wanting to and start trying to get the education system improved. It's still okay to give teachers uh, raises and things of that nature, but we gotta do better with our wraparound services and those kind of services that we offering too. That's the key. The raises are great, but you have to also deal with the holistic aspect of education too. And that's something we really have not been willing to do in a real way. So I'm hoping that, that that's something I know we'll be pushing. And another one that we'll be pushing, of course, from the Democratic side is Medicaid expansion, which we keep nibbling around the edges, we did get it as far as a work requirement. We keep nibbling around the edges towards full expansion, but hopefully that will come through. It might come through this year. We'll just see. Okay. So if we as citizens, you know, one of the roles of local matters is to help people get more engaged. And I know a lot of these things happen at the state level and frankly, we don't pay much attention to it all. Um, so for a routine citizen wants to become more engaged, they're interested in some of these issues that you've just laid out, if we are against or for any of those things, how do we uh, make sure that you all who are making decisions know what we think? Absolutely. So 
if you're really in a particular space and you see a bill that's dropped or you contact myself and I let you know it's, and it's go, going to a particular hearing, it helps if you come actually come testify. That's number one. So let's say when we're dealing with food, when we're dealing with the food policy, when I get ready to go to the house, I would love to have persons from Augusta actually come testify and talk about why this is so important. Um, so that's one aspect of it. We know a lot of persons can't do that. But if you're really working in these particular areas, testifying is important. Now, what if you're just kind of interested in a particular area, you're not working with them, you don't want to testify. Um, emailing is very important and also calling is also extremely important. Now more so emailing is important and also hitting your elected officials up on Twitter or Instagram or whatever they are, other mediums they may be on. And it is seen and it is known. But I also would say this, don't do it by yourself necessarily. Do it by yourself if you want, but get a collection of persons actually to do it too. That actually kind of carries more weight. And, and lastly, when you're doing your emailing or your phone calling, make sure that you get persons who actually live in the representative or senator's district to do that. So if you have a group of people that want to get involved, make sure when they're putting their address on their email, make sure they actually live in the district. That carries more weight. Doesn't carry a lot of weight to get an email from someone in Swainsboro or Atlanta to me than it does in Augusta. When we get, I get something from Augusta, that carries tremendous weight. But if I'm getting just stuff from random people from all over, I, I hear it, but you're not my voter. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Right. Um, so when you talk about food deserts and you mentioned you don't have to go it alone, I bet you there are a whole bunch of neighborhood associations in Augusta that would love to come in and, and let you all know how much this food desert issue affects our neighborhoods. Right, absolutely, 100%, 100%. And so the issue, the problem is, because the practical problem, which is done on purpose, a lot of times we won't know, until we, especially Democrats, we won't know our bill to come up for a hearing to almost like the day before. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it'll be late notice, but if persons can come up, I can give the notice, but that's done on purpose to make sure you don't have all these groups come in. And, and let them know to come in and actually talk about the issue. So I may not be able to give, but a day notice. But as long as we know it's at the hearing stage, I kind of know when it's coming up, but I don't know exactly. But if I call and say, hey, we're ready to go, maybe have that couple of people designated. Because a lot of times on our issues, on Democratic issues, we won't have persons other than metro area to be able to come in because they're the only ones that can come in so fast. Mm -hmm. And all of that's done on purpose. And I think persons have to, that's something we have to kind of talk about one day is, I don't think people really realize what it's like to be in the minority. It's not making excuses. These folks, they understand government. And I think to some extent, the commission works different. The, the thing we see with the commission is totally different. How they operate is different. So they can't operate necessarily from this kind of standpoint. So you can't compare the two. The legislature is true governor. Your bill has to be heard. There's no such thing as your bill don't get through a committee, it still gets to the floor like on the commission. It doesn't work that way. Your bill does not have to be heard. All these steps have to take place to get a bill to pass it into a law. And everything that you're dealing with is manipulated by the other party. And they say when we were in uh, control, we did the same thing. And maybe that's true. I don't know. I'm just dealing with this, the, the cards that I'm dealt now. But I think the persons have to understand that to realize that these folks are serious about governing. And there's a lot more um, maneuvers that you can do in the legislature than you can do it what people see with the commission. 
Okay. This has been extremely informative um, because um, just the ins and outs of how this works at the state level is something I think is a total mystery to most residents of the state, even people who consider themselves to be fairly uh, involved and, and active. Um, got one more thing uh, that I'm going to mention, and then I'm going to turn it over to you if there's anything else you want to share. Um, got a runoff, uh, excuse me, have an election coming up. You alluded to it. Election coming up on December 20th. Um, turnout so far has been abysmally low. Uh, what do you say to folks who are registered voters in District 129? Absolutely. Please make sure you still go out to the polls. I mean, this is just important. Everything that takes place comes from the elected officials. That's just a fact. And that's why um, it always, you know, humors me when a person say, oh, government don't matter, things of that nature. Everything that happens actually comes from the elected officials, from laws that are actually made. And that's why it's important. And we have to do a better job as elected officials to let persons know that too. But I can only impress upon you that these decisions that are going to be made at the Capitol to vote and work for 129 are huge decisions and they are going to impact your life and who you vote for it does matter. I hope your vote for me has mattered and who you vote for does matter. And so please actually go out and vote. All right. Thank you so much. Got 45 seconds. Anything else you want to share with the-, the uh, I everybody, I will, First of all, I thank everybody for reelecting me. I do appreciate that so much. Um, we're going to continue to push issues forward, especially progressive issues. And any help that you can give on that, especially on this food, that's when we get ready to go back to the house. Persons who want to get involved in that, let me know. And we'll make sure, even if you only have a day notice, come up there and testify in front of that agriculture committee in front of the house and make sure they don't do what they did last year and push this bill through. Senator Jones, thank you so much for, again, being a part of the Local Matters family. And uh, wish you, we wish you well in this upcoming legislative session. Thank you so much. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.